Knock, knock. Who's there? Weekend. Weekend who? We can do anything we want. It's time for dingers. This is dingers. Way more than fantasy baseball. We keep it real when we talk and knock it straight out the park. <laughs> Let's see the stats. What's the average draft position? What kind of plays you making? Check the wins above replacement. Check the lineups and the points. This I gotta see. What's your path to victory? Are they aiming for a dynasty? Get points going head to head. Please don't do me no favors. We're always watching waivers. Ain't no minor league. This is major. Yeah. Dingers. Let's go. Welcome to Dingers, the only fantasy baseball podcast for smart people. It's not just Bryce Terang that wins you championships. That's why week in and week out, we're delivering tips and strategies to help you live that straight up OG lifestyle. Tyler Childs joined, as always, by Robbie Baseball from the basement, where he will find himself in our home league post draft <laughs> after having to draft out of his pocket. Wow. <laughs> so it's not burn. as bad as. <laughs> well, I figured I would also pick on you know the the big shortstop that made the team out of camp, uh, Bryce Trang as well. Figured we'd touch on that right off. The yeah, yeah, worthy because you said earlier uh, in this off season that you liked Trang to make it, and Milwaukee went and like crowded that infield, and I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on there. They are just going to be like Platoon City. Um, turns out they may very well do that, but with a lot of different players that I originally suspected, which is great because I like player movement. So I cannot for the life of me figure out what they're doing. I no. just don't get it. Like, I want to see it. Like, obviously, you know, we've talked about Kesson here. Like he's needs to be gone. Like he is not what anybody wanted him to be at the very least. He needs to go find a new hitting coach like that. We can agree on. Well, Maybe he there's was a BFA'd. He's since cleared waivers today, and uh, Milwaukee signed Luke Voigt. So, wait, here are cleared waivers. He oh, did. yeah, he's he got cleared. the two point two. Yeah, he's got the two point two on the hook, doesn't he? It's a twenty-four hour, whatever it was that he had, something like that. But yeah, he's he's cleared, um, which is extra sad for me because in the one points league that I have, very good pitching, Tristan McKenzie is going to miss time, and that sucks. And thankfully, in the home league, I chose not to take him. Uh, I had him last year, and I thought, you know what? I'm just going to try something different this year because everybody I liked last year didn't end up getting me wins. So I got to try some different guys that might have, you know, a little more of this, a little less of that. And to be fair, he went super early in our home league. Like probably he, did. he was than... like he was like fourth, fourth overall, no, fifth overall, something like that. And I picked third, and I took George Kirby. Love that. Happy with that. Well, and I... And, and I told you this on Saturday night when you did make it out to join us, but like throughout that draft, like your draft board just got assassinated. Like it did. And, and to, to the point where I was the guys I was sitting beside, I had made the comment, like Rob probably thinks I'm telling you guys this, like, like verbatim, <laughs> like, cause like you guys are just killing the guys that he would reach for like way before the reach is appropriate. Like, <laughs> yeah, like they were going so early. <laughs> And and even like league defending league champ Smitty said to me afterwards. I mean, like with that mustache of his, oh my goodness! But um, he he's like, I don't even care. Like this between like round six and eleven, like you know, guys are just going to start reaching. And I'm looking at him like round one, everyone started reaching. <laughs> what are you talking about? Round six through eleven, like so. Just for context, we keep 
six guys plus a, a rookie. So we've got about in a 14 team league, we've got about a hundred guys that are kept. So really we're picking from say like 90 onward in round one. And like, we're getting guys who had ADPs North of like 160, 180 that are getting picked. Um, and, and like as well, just like crafty veterans falling. And then one of the ones that fell a lot that to me, like I was, I picked my first baseman was Josh Bell. I picked him earlier than I wanted, but at the same time, I was like, I just don't want to draft Ryan Mountcastle, even though I like Ryan Mountcastle. I have enough of him in Dynasty. I don't want him in the home league. I had him last year, and it, I just didn't want him. And he just went way later than I thought he would and should have. Um, but I guess in our league, a lot of the keepers were first baseman, and he doesn't have multi-position eligibility. So maybe he wasn't seen as as hot a target as I originally thought because I didn't have a first baseman. So. Well, I think there's two parts for me. Like the the wall clearly impacted him last year, right? Like he didn't reach the upside he could have reached if the wall was in the same spot it was the previous year in Baltimore. I think the other part is, I think everybody in their in their uncle thinks Baltimore is going to fall back just a little bit. I think they are too. I just I think what we saw in the last half, uh, I think we're going to see kind of the flip. You know, I think the first half is going to be weak for Baltimore, and I think the second half is going to be a little bit of a strong finish. Uh, they might be a spoiler down the stretch for a lot of teams. But I think when it comes to Mountcastle, I think that's a big reason why is everybody thinks that recoil is coming and he's going to have some lower numbers than maybe people are projecting. I think that's the feel. Whether that's accurate or not, we'll see. Yeah. Well, this is the f- the quickest we've talked baseball on our baseball podcast from the hop in a long time. We've skipped yep. the thing that I came here really to do. So can we circle back to it? <laughs> well, I, I was I was gonna have a better segue than that. Doing this, and we're gonna continue that trend here today. A long time ago, someone decided to put stuff in glass bottles. In some of these bottles, they put juice or milk, and that was stupid. Today, only alcohol and a few other products remain in the containers from the gods. It's time for beers and bourbon, because good advice only comes in a bottle. Beautiful. That was the one thing I didn't get to do on the weekend, Robbie, was was have a bourbon. We we rode, Smitty and I rode, <laughs> well, Smitty and I went back in time on the uh, the whiskey train uh, oh, okay. for a while. Yeah, we, we spent a long and then te- then tequila became our friend later in the evening, which was not advised, which was uh, great because that's when I was there and it, it got put in front of me and I'm like, I'm driving home like I'm not doing this. So it, um, it was a nice offer, though. Yeah, absolutely. It was from Scotty in the home league. It was great. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I introduced the league to what I did on the last podcast, which was the lunchbox. Um, I showed everybody what I had and it wasn't that, that overly priced. So at this bar Canadian prices. So I'd love to hear what any Americans out there could tell me it would cost at a bar that they go to. So as I've said before, it's a shot of Amaretto, a little bit of OJ and then a light beer. So I think it was six ninety something for the beer, five something for the Amaretto. And I don't know if she charged me for the OJ cause it was like, you know, whatever, couple ounces for the American listeners out there, three ounces, let's say. Um, it was delicious, and uh, I did avoid the tequila. I did the pass it over to the guy that looked super drunk um, move, you know, where you're like, have another. And 
just to avoid it. But yeah, so tonight I'm I'm taking it easy. I'm having a Mill Street organic because I want like my joke off the top. I want things tonight to be organic in nature and not forced. Like Jeez. my predictions. That, that was four straight there. How about a Woodford <laughs> for me? Uh, stay in there. Uh, let's let's get into it, Robbie. We got lots to cover today. We're going to do like breaking out of camp. We got a lot of news in terms of who made teams, what that means. Are they going to stick? What it means for the guys that, that dropped off. Uh, obviously, you can find us on the Twitter machine at Dingers Pod at Robbie Baseball One or myself at Attorney Boss. But let's get into it, Robbie. We got lots of guys. Like, I mean, there's many guys in this group we're going to talk about here that are on your roster. Yeah. And in like all sorts of different things and exciting things. And then some very like minor housekeeping bits. First one up is Tim LaCostra um, is going to make the Mets opening day roster. Darren Ruff DFA. This isn't that big a deal, but Darren Ruff a couple years ago came back from KBO and had a nice little run. Good for him. But this one time, very happy about this was immediate off season guy that I was excited about. Uh, outfielder with Houston Corey Jules has made the opening day roster. That's the exciting part. The crappy part, as we've said a you know, million times, was how they managed their outfield last year. Um, you know, with Jose Siri, and and I didn't like that. I hope that doesn't happen to jokes. They're different players, but again, not not a great thing. Rymel Tapia, former real, sorry, real quick before rock. you go past yeah. jokes, Robbie. Do, do you have any concern that when Altuve comes back, jokes goes? Yeah, I, I think this is that's why he made it. He's just an extra guy, and they're going to move bodies. We talked about on the last podcast, not knowing who was going to come in, like sub in for that. Um, so I still want to see, like, depending on when you're listening to this, I will definitely be looking at uh, Houston's opening weekend lineups to see how they fit and finish everybody in and around. Like that, to me, that's going to tell a bigger tale because Jules could be up there literally as the last guy. Like if they need someone to go play baseball, that might be the only time. J.J. Machevitz had that last year, did not get up, or sorry, got called up early, did not get a lot of time. And it was like, well, this guy was like leading minor league baseball in home runs and you don't put him in every day. Like, what are you expecting him to do? You know, everyday players need to um, maintain that. Anyway, Brian Maltapia, yep. longtime Rocky, last year was with Toronto, um, got a minor league contract with Boston while he made the opening day roster. Um, I can't imagine anybody's going to care about this. <laughs> but hey, if you're in a league where you happen to own him, you do care. And if you're in those kind of leagues where you've got Tapia, you're listening to the right podcast. So one, um, one thing I will say though, is, yeah, before I do like one thing I'll say with Tapia has way stronger at bats than his stats show. He definitely challenges pitchers a little bit more. Um, he impacts the game better from the offensive side than from the defensive side. So if you're a Boston fan, he's not the worst depth outfielder. Uh, if you're looking just purely from fantasy side, you're not going to like that. But as a fan, you might like him a little bit more. Pache uh, in Oakland, Christian Pache over from Oakland or over from Atlanta in the, uh, was Olsen. that in the, yes, it was the Olsen one, right? It was the 2020 and, you know, deal. And we've seen like literally nothing good from Pache. I've had a couple, maybe like days worth of good baseball. Uh, spring was okay, right? It had a bit of a sour finish. I, I think this is one where they think they're going to be able to trade him here. Because I, I think otherwise they would have just cut them. Like, I, I think they have something in the works. Could be a scenario. I'll use San Francisco because it's the easiest one where Sergio Romo's on the roster for a day and then he's cut and then a trade happens. Like, something like that. Mm. You know, they did that last year with the Gosuka guy we were talking about last week, right? Yep. Like, that, that's true. Those kind of things do happen. And, and 
just the way they handled this one, knowing he's out of options, seems like they they have something in the works. So I would expect Oakland, to see him on. Go ahead. Uh, Oakland and San Francisco geographically close, but also a good fit for that exact purpose because uh, San Francisco's outfield's beat up. So they've kept a fourth mm-hmm. outfielder that we'll mention later on who just had a really fun spring. Uh, but Pache might be more of that like boring MLB option versus the potential exciting fantasy option that we would prefer. So, yeah. yeah. The next I, one is, I like a, is a little one, Ty. Uh, I wanted to just say him because he's fun and exciting for me. Uh, relief pitcher because I was looking to find like somebody that could maybe do something fun and exciting. 29-year-old rookie Hobie Harris made Washington Nationals opening day roster. Had a very good spring. I don't know if it'll continue. Uh, I just imagine he's going to be like randomly getting low leverage mop up type duty early but hey cool congratulations hobie harris i just i can't unhear tommy boy hobie hancock that's all i hear when i see that it's hurdy it's hurdy i know i know but that's but that's all i hear oh side note just in terms of old movies i saw maybe the greatest internet video today ever uh caddyshack rodding dangerfield shout out to jerry from uh you know abandoned dudes caddy right? The guy we've talked about yep. a long time ago, but he was the one that shared it on Twitter. So I picked that one up if he's listening. Uh, and uh, one of the, uh, the video is basically uh, Rodney Dangerfield from Caddyshack turning the speaker in his bag on and then it cuts the music. And I don't know the name of the song off the top of my head, but then it basically takes him out of dancing in the fairway and cuts him into all the famous dance scenes in the history of like cinema. Oh, it's great. So okay. I'll show it to you later. Anyone looking is a Rodney Dangerfield video on his Twitter account. If you want to go look for it, I can't imagine Dangerfield's Twitter feed is just blown up, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> he might be able to find it. Anyway, moving on. Matt Strom is going to be a starter briefly here to start the season in Philadelphia while they wait for Ranger Suarez to not go for Tommy John. Um, hey, this is you I'm shut your mouth when you're talking to me. <laughs> I took him in, in our home league, Robbie, A, because there was no other good starting pitchers left. Uh, and and B, he fell way too late uh, with the potential for him to be back in a couple weeks. So I went and got right. him. Um, and and basically, you know, it's between him and Bailey Falter. And f- frankly, he faltered in the playoffs last year. And I think that's the reason he didn't win the job. Oh, uh, I, I I think he could be a SP five guy. I think he needs a little more seasoning. Like he, you can see there's you know moments of brilliance with Falter, but I just don't see it. But um, I mean, Strom still carries value in the bullpen. That's where we want to see him. Uh, J.D. Brubaker had a, a good uh, string in terms of strikeouts. Uh, he just gives up too many big innings. Like, that's really just his thing. There's enough here. He's going to hammer some strikeouts, uh, but he's got the ominous uh, elbow discomfort. So mm-hmm. those uh, with with minor league options here in Pittsburgh are, are not rooting for, but, you know, could be seeing some upside to some of their they're guys that are currently sitting in AAA. Speaking of AAA, Grayson Rodriguez uh, headed that way. This is clearly a contract play, Robbie. Like, I, I saw way too many Baltimore fans like show the SP one through five and be like, "How how is this acceptable?" I mean, right. if you if you Dean were Kramer expecting- as SP two, that's where it looks like he's going to slot in. Deep Kramer's getting your second day start. I mean, sure. Uh, you can you can do the same thing that's been done for years and years, right? Players got to work on defense. Maybe they want to see Grayson do something, you know, for whatever, six or eight weeks. Um, like I had said in our last episode, talking about the top 25 dynasty starting pitchers under 25, 
Uh, Rodriguez, I'm not as concerned with as April, but I want to see him come in and never lose his job. Like, I want to see yeah. him get a legit shot. Just come in and, you know, Josiah Gray to Washington type thing. You're just starting now. That's what you do. I, I think this has everything to do with controlling his innings. He, like, keep in mind, he's coming off an injury plague season last year. I think this is everything control of innings and and contract management. And it's too easy a story for the front office to tell when it comes to contract manipulation. So I think they're just taking advantage of that uh, in reality. But there's probably also a real health concern there. Uh, Chicago, Robbie, this is a you guy. So I'm going to let you cover this one. This is you written all over it. Sure, yeah. Second baseman I really kind of liked under the radar all offseason with the White Sox, Romy Gonzalez, makes the opening day roster. He did have a good spring. I've got some notes on him a little later on that I'll discuss. But uh, good to see that a couple guys – that looked like they were, you know, temporarily going to be on the major league roster, but likely to be bumped, did not end up getting bumped. Romy Gonzalez, another one of them. And that leads to, uh, I'm going to call him your guy, but I think I have more shares in leagues that we are in together. And it's not many, but yeah, Oscar yeah I, I, I'm an Oscar Colas guy. You just keep taking him way too early. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things that I, I don't mind that in the dynasty formats. I was a little rattled by how early he went in the home league. Um, well, I didn't, and, I didn't even get to take him. I was looking to take him early and I'm like, he's gone. All right. Yeah. Zach Veen. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and he went in another league that I was in uh, drafted on Sunday as well, but he went super early and like, listen, I, I like him, but you know, I think we're, we make this mistake. We talk about it all the time, Robbie, like because we play the dynasty style, like redraft takes these reaches all the time and like, they <clears throat> yep. almost never pay off. Right, because you want the guys that come up in midseason and they're ready to go. Like these guys that start the season on the pro team, I mean, there's you can name them off the top of your head how many guys have been instantly successful. There's not a lot, and you know, usually they're pitchers, right? <laughs> That's the other part of that. So you know, those are the things that you know. I think people make a lot of crucial mistakes uh, with those sort of things. The, the concern for me with Rami Gonzalez just backpedaling here while we're on the White Sox, there's just infield depth here in the organization, right? Like my question is how many at bats? Like I, I, I think he deserved yes. to make this team like no arguments on that. But Lurie Garcia is, is still here as a guy that could immediately take those at bats back. Uh, Yolbert Sanchez is right there as well uh, as a guy that I think is going to create some scenarios. Um, and, and then you've got guys like Lennon Sosa that are right there as well. So that's my big issue a little further away West Cath, but you know, there's just some some compression here, both in the infield and the outfield coming, and and I think that's the only concern I have for Gonzalez. Like, what what's your take there? Uh, and do you do you feel that pressure on him or Colas for that matter? Because there are some outfielders too. Yeah, I think for Colas, giving him the giving him the start is very much like um, not high pressure situation. It's more like don't be outmatched, and if he's not outmatched, he should stick around and have a full season up. Romy Gonzalez, I think, is in a slow burn situation where he needs to, he will not likely be asked to play every day, but when he is asked, he needs to be able to be, you know, a 250 type hitter that puts the ball in play to move the runner over because he'll be at the back of the lineup. I think it's a very important job that he's got to do with the White Sox because they're supposed to be a competitive high octane team. But the more you break it down with them, the more you can see errors and potential, or not errors, um, gaps in their potential to have inning ending guys and Romy Gonzalez might be on the other end of that like do not strike out um you know put the ball in play or walk but do not strike out do not pop out you know like they could just be reasons why he's there and he had a good spring I think he had five dingers 
Um, so maybe they like, they're like, oh, look at that. There's a little bit of pop in the bat too. Um, but again, I don't think he's going to be an everyday start guy. But the other players you mentioned, uh, Sosa in particular, came up last year after being really good in the minors and was he was not good when he came up. Uh, whereas Romy Gonzalez might still have the ability to make a good first impression on the brass, not to mention the fact there is a new manager with the White Sox now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, jumping out to back to Oakland, you know, Yuri's familia uh, is, is not familiar with barely making the roster, but at the <laughs> same time, he uh, he could be an interesting one there. We've talked about the uncertainty of the back end of that bullpen, and I, I think the days of familia rolling out in the, the ninth are over, but, you know, certainly going to put some pressure on some of those other guys uh, to step up and, and kind of hold on to those later innings. Because they really still to this moment don't have a guy, right? Zach Zach Jackson yeah. is is the guy you and I both like to win the job over the season. Uh, I think everybody assumes it's going to be Trevor May, but I, I don't I don't think Trevor May is the same guy that can close games either. Uh, and and you know you can't just collect a bunch of former Mets cast off and decide that that's a good bullpen. <laughs> yeah. So right? well, and, I mean they're trying. <laughs> yeah, they're trying so, to do it, but. So I think that's going to be the way that that one plays out, uh, you know, and, and again, very similar breath, a guy that you and I both just want to have some, some success is Jose Iglesias. Uh, this is a guy, he accepted the the uh, demotion to the, the AAA roster. Right. I think this is a spot here where he's also maybe like, listen, I'm not going to play this game anymore. Like if I can't crack a roster, maybe I just go and, and be a coach at some point. Like, I, I don't know if he's at that point. He certainly deserves a roster spot, but you know, empty average defensive wizard. You know, the game may come back to that at some point, but the game today seems to dismiss that skill set. I don't know. Do you think it's the end, Robbie? Uh, I hope it's not the end. I'm just looking right now, Ty, to see where their triple A team is. So they're in Jacksonville. So he's not. Oh, sorry. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Jacksonville. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Just looked like New Orleans. Anyway. Um, so it's not too far for him, but maybe the idea is let him play in a warm location for a little bit. Maybe he's got an opt out and he'll try, you know, one more. I don't know. I, it's just that he's been such a good player. And last year he hit very well in Colorado, but again, empty average guy, not a lot of teams are looking for it, but Miami specifically is, and they just don't have room for him now. He could be first guy up, but again, it's going to have to be like somebody goes on the 60 day IL for him to come up. So I don't know, but I, I've got him in one dynasty league. I signed him to a two year deal. Last year, figuring like after a year in Colorado, he was going to get another deal somewhere. And then he didn't until very late in um, the offseason into spring training. And this is one of those results, right? Sometimes a guy tries to hold out for the one year, $7 million deal like Jerson Profar got. And other times you end up getting the uh, come to spring training non-roster invite of Jose Iglesias. It's, it's better sometimes to be in an organization in January than it is in March. Maybe this is what happened here. He's got to go back down to the minors, prove himself for 50, 60 at bats as like ready to rock and roll outside of Colorado and Miami could bring him up. But again, like we're talking about absolute dart throw now to get anything fantasy wise out of Jose Iglesias in 2023 and really beyond. Like you said, this could be it for Jose Iglesias. I hope it isn't very well. Could be. I just can't figure out how you're comfortable rolling Joey Wendell or Gene Segura or anybody not Wendell named Jordan at Roshan's out at crazy. It's yeah. nuts, right? Like, I mean, I just don't see it. Like they, you know, they have, Birdie, who would be a really poor choice at shortstop as well. They just they don't have a real shortstop right now, which is why I'm kind of surprised by this move. 
but we'll see. I mean, maybe he's also going down to mentor Groshans, and and maybe that's part of that strategy as well too. So who knows? Yeah, uh, we'll possible. we'll we'll see what what happens there. Uh, continue on the list. Obviously, Anthony Volpe uh, making the Yankees roster big news. He outplayed his competition, right? I think everybody knew Falafel wasn't going to be uh, the starting shortstop there come season, and he certainly outperformed Peraza on the offensive side. Peraza obviously gets the tick slightly on the defensive side, but listen, it's it's New York and it's Yankee Stadium. Nobody cares about defense in there. They want to see bombs and doubles and you know offense all the time, and they want mediocre pitcher to keep in the game. That's Yankee baseball. It always has been. So you know, I, I think that Peraza is expendable at this point. Like you know, is he a guy that now gets traded to? potentially find some pitching depth for that decimated rotation. Like that's, that's the interesting piece of uh, that development for me. Oh man. I really hope you're wrong on that. Um, What I wanted to check here was Oswaldo Cabrera, uh, who was one of the other three of that like rookie trio who ended up going to the outfield. And last year he came up and had what 154 bats, something like that. Um, I'm just trying to see, did he make the opening day roster? They've got enough injuries that he should have if he didn't. Uh, I'm pretty anyway. sure he did. Yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure he did. I I know that they might not have announced that one yet. To be 100 percent honest with you, yeah, we do still have time time left for that. But anyway, um, Atlanta made an interesting move. So they've got two starters who, before camp, nobody would have thought would be heading in as opening day guys: Jared Schuster and I think it's David or no Dylan Dodd, um, because Kyle Wright's now going to go to the IL. And uh, this is going to be interesting. Both guys had good springs. Atlanta, as we talked about, I think last episode, or maybe it was three, whatever, recently, go back and listen. Um, they were discussing, or we were discussing the fact that there's a lot of kind of SP four through sixes with uh, the Braves right now. And here are a couple of them who are going to get to start. I think Dodd will be the first guy to lose his job when someone is healthy or uh, they deem there to be like a chink in the armor. But I, I mean, whatever it's just kind of interesting that a team that is supposed to be in it in the nl central and in it for you know world series birth is only going to start with 60 percent of their planned rotation um it's not a met situation of terror here but it's not ideal for atlanta to be in a similar situation this early yeah no i i would agree um jordan walker obviously making the uh st louis rosters was i think expected by most I think it just shuffles that outfield. Tyler O'Neill playing center field to start the season. Uh, definitely trying to find a way to get Jordan Walker in that lineup. It makes them better. Uh, it'll be interesting to see in in season how he holds up in left field because obviously he's not stealing time away from the Platinum Glover at third. So, you know, this is your guess what, kid? You're an outfielder now because yeah. he, he ain't going anywhere. Welcome to else. left field. And if you're good, we'll put you to right. <laughs> Exactly. Well, and even even the possibility of like saying Goldschmidt maybe as he gets older starts to DH a little bit more, right? Even that's unlikely with Yepes there. So you know you are left fielder Jordan Walker. Figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's kind of the good news and notes, the hot news from uh, the week in baseball. But now, Ty, we can dive into because we're pretty much at the end of spring training. By the time this comes out, it will be the end of spring training season. Could have already started opening night, opening weekend. <clears throat> depending on when you listen, here are some of the things that Ty likes to talk about. These are spring training stats that we care about. And Ty, I'll say my first point, and then like we'll just chip away at it after that yeah. if you're cool with it. Uh, this is pitching-based, so there are several pitchers of note 
who had things that happened that were good in spring training. Shane Bieber, good spring. Seth Lugo with San Diego, good spring. Ross Stripling um, led ML. Those three guys led MLB with 23 and a third or 23 innings. Bieber was just great all around. Lugo, great all around. Stripling, brutal in those 23 and a third innings. 743 RA, four home runs given up, and a one decimal seven eight whip. Now we've got mixed emotions on Stripling. He came to Toronto for a little bit previously, was one of those guys with the Dodgers that just never got, you know, into the re- legit starting rotation. He was always a cusp, a fill in, a this or that. Um, looked like he's actually going to do it in San Francisco and then doesn't have a good, comfortable spring. Hopefully he's shaking it off. Hopefully he was working on something early on when he gave up those dingers. Um, but with Bieber, I am loving it. And we talked before about, uh, I thought maybe some starting pitchers could have got up to 30 innings. We don't have World Baseball Classic numbers added into this, but I still feel like 23.1 seemed a little light for total spring training innings. However, uh, Shane Bieber is like a legit guy. Seth Lugo was fighting hard for a job, and Ross Stripling was just new to the team. So all kind of different scenarios under that. But um Anyway, so there's three dudes to know. Ty, if you want to go through some of the high K totals that we yeah, have. Really quick on stripling. Like I, yeah. I have a cons- like I, I commented on a couple people that were hyping uh stripling through the offseason. And, and something that I just commented on, like my big concern is he gets hit really hard, right? Like he goes in these little stretches where he has weak contact and a couple strikeouts here and there, but there's outings where he just gets ripped all over the diamond. That's my big concern is he's going back to a division that is familiar with him. And I just don't know that it's going to go well for him because it didn't the first time. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, but I I certainly don't have any shares of stripling. I'm not betting on what we saw last year. I'm, I'm fading for sure. So I'm not really shocked by this at the beginning. It is spring. So you got to put it out of mind, but I, I would, if I'm, betting on on strip success over the year i'm out um similar to to jd brubaker's current status so he had uh 26 strikeouts in 17 innings i talked about that earlier the whip 110 great numbers problem with jd brubaker era was 5.19 now it's going to be a little inflated with you know essentially two full games right 17 innings um but at the same time still a concern right because you know, most spring games, you're only facing 40, 50, 70 at the top, usually of the, the major league roster on the other side. So I know he played against Toronto a bunch, did okay. Uh, but that loop is Philly and Pittsburgh and uh, Detroit. So, you know, you have a couple offenses there that can do a little bit of damage um, and, and kind of go from there. But then Robbie Ray, who Robbie, we talked about pre-show, is a guy oh, yeah. that we're both invested in in a little bit. As much as it hurts me, the value of the strikeout played in a couple leagues. So I like that Garrett Cole had 27 in 21 innings, but the 3.32 RA, like that's kind of right where we expect Garrett Cole these days, right? Like just over three RA massive strikeout numbers wins, a reasonable whip. Uh, that's just who he is. Right. And that's the top and I think dog. Most, yeah. Yep. Most people are good with that. Uh, Robbie Ray is, is hopefully going to be in that same category for owners that have him out there. And I think maybe the one guy that has just, exploded onto boards Robbie uh this spring is Graham Ashcraft in in Cincinnati I don't know if you remember this Cincinnati was in Toronto last summer and I said Graham Ashcraft has something special here like it didn't if you remember I said his his fastball 
looks like it floats and then it pumps the gun at a hundred. It doesn't even make sense. Uh, I don't know if you go back to whatever episode that was um, and, and give it a listen, you'll hear my confusion because like what I can't figure out is how anybody hits it. Cause it, it looks like it's floating like a knuckleball yet. It's, it's got velocity. Like it's the tightest spinner in the league. So a really interesting guy to watch uh, because we, I'll tell you right now, if, if he adds two plus pitches, if he gets two plus pitches with that fastball, I mean, there's there's Cy Young upside in that arm. Um, I wow. don't think he's going to find that, but we'll see, right? I think oh. I think a, a real bargain though for most people looking for one late in drafts because he's a hell of a numbers- start, right? Ty, like hell of a start in spring training. Twenty five K, seventeen and third innings, two sixty ERA, decimal eight seven WHIP. All he did was sell more people on him yep. <laughs> in the well, spring. It- and Frank, who's in our surf league with us, Robbie, had a great point on Twitter yesterday or today. Just basically said, you want a guy to bet on early in the season, bet over Graham Ashcroft strikeouts, right? Like as as because like it's going to be way discounted by by the boards, right? So go after that one. Uh, we talked about Bieber already. Twenty five Ks in his twenty three innings. Uh, ten, the one thing I have, Robbie, like that's my concern with Bieber is the K per nine's been dropping slowly. Right, still a good pitcher, still sharp, still gets people out. But that's the one thing. If he doesn't get the wins this year, like it, for whatever reason, you know, he's just not the top dog, right? That's all. Just something to flag, not a concern or anything, just something to watch. Uh, Tanner Houck with starter innings, basically, which is yeah. an interesting thing for Boston as they kind of used him as the closer. Um, but he got torched, right? 975, back to the bullpen for you. Uh, because I don't think the two pitch pitcher that he is, um, plays. We, we've talked about that many times this offseason. Um, the hook is still absolutely hooks or hooks hook, uh, absolutely a real thing. And but look the at rest the rest of it is just a problem the 12 walks and nine dingers given up, like just disgusting. Because you're like, oh wow, look at the K's, right? And then you ignore the other stats, like I was jokingly doing with Brent Honeywell. Um, but Hauk is, I think, going to be in the starting rotation for the Red Sox. And, like, I would bet whoever he's pitching against, I would bet on that team to win that game <laughs> because <laughs> it, it should be high scoring. And in a high scoring affair, I don't know what kind of um, inning ending guys the Red Sox have right now, but I know they've got a lot of guys who are just like base contact guys, um, the Arroyos of the world. So, I don't know what's going to happen with it, but Hauk being in that starting rotation is a bad sign for the Red Sox, especially if he kicks yeah. around a few times. Pardon me, because they do have some starting pitcher injuries as per usual. Yep. Oh, next um, guy's Brad Keller. Turn. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, 20, <laughs> I have to do it. 25 Ks, 20 innings pitched. Um, 495 ERA is par for the Keller course and a 1.4 whip par for the Keller course. What you want to take out of this is the fact that he didn't get worse. Um, he came in, he had a bad 2022. And for some reason, people are like, Oh, contract year pending free agent. He's going to break out. No, he's not. This is Brad Keller. He's still <laughs> money in the bank from a rule five draft in like 2018, 2019. Like he is found profit for the Royals that he's been able to pitch for them for years and years. Um, and again, this year, he's like their SP5. Like Daniel Lynch got hurt. Uh, that doesn't even move Keller up as, into SP4. They're just going to give it to Bubik. 
you know, like crazy risky uh chris bubik gets time brad keller just like was fine this spring not outstanding by any stretch but like nice to see keller not have 10 gays and 20 innings pitched maybe yeah. he could throw a few more or get a few more um punch some more tickets that's what i was trying to say ty maybe he can punch some more tickets this year than in previous years yeah i mean uh, he he's 30 right or give or take 30 31 something like that like there, no. there's no improvement from Brad Keller. Yeah, he's up there. Uh, I'm gonna look. Might be 29. Yeah, might be 29, but he's up there. Uh, a guy that looks makes you feel older than 30. Uh, you say Kikuchi has had an absolutely lights out spring. ERA of one, 18 innings, 25 strikeouts. The big number you're not going to see here with the 1.06 WHIP is the number of um, swinging strikes that he's induced. I think he lapped the field in terms of swinging strikes this spring. That's a huge thing to note. And I think everyone is still going to remain focused on the 10 walks, which is still concerning. Don't get me wrong. But when you give up no hits and your whip is entirely made up of walks, it's not a huge deal, right? So whether you give up hits or walks, uh, it doesn't matter. Like it's, it's the, it's the opposite of money ball. They just, if they don't get on base or that you limit the number of guys that get on base, it's still going to matter uh, less when you get them struck out after that. So you say Kikuchi has looked about as good as I've seen him ever in major league baseball. And, and I would not be surprised if he surprises a lot of people because all of the pundits are saying, slow your roll on him. I, I'm, I'm not sure they're right on that one. Uh, I do think he could hmm. blow through a lot of expectations. It'd be interesting if once he got to ball three, if like the order just came to put it in the zone, right? Like just make well, it as simple as here's what we want. Your first three starts. You you get to ball three, you don't lose the hitter. Throw it in the zone, force him to put the ball in play on you. Don't give him a free pass and see what that changes because that could be kind of interesting. So um, one of the things, and this is the stuff that matters in spring that you don't get until later in the year, is the thing they've talked about in the spring is that the pitch count has actually helped him because he's not thinking. He just gets on the mound and throws. And balls, that was a mostly. big thing that he got into last year was just overthinking. Well, I mean, sometimes, yeah. But. I'm sorry. I just, that's 10 walks. Um, anyway, Brad Keller tie is 27. He's also 6'5", which I didn't realize. 6'5", 255. He's got the body of, of a starting pitcher. Uh, Max Scherzer also has, has the body, yeah, or a bouncer, has <laughs> the body of an Adonis, and he plays like one. 25 innings, sorry, 25 strikeouts, 17 innings pitch, 1.53 ERA, 1.02 whip. We don't care about Max Scherzer's spring. Here's what we really care about with Max Scherzer. Healthy. Yep. Yes. Let's yep. freaking go, baby. We need 30 starts from Scherzer this year. Daddy needs you, Max. Daddy needs you. All right, Ty, the next one's yours. Not a lot of total, but, I mean, it's beautiful to look at. Yeah, Jeffrey Springs, uh, I've, I've bought him in a couple leagues, is a guy that just has looked like a, an elite SP3 and is going to be treated like an SP2 uh, in most formats, I think. Uh, you know, I think the the big here, big win here uh, is the 24 strikeouts in 14 innings, Robbie. Like, that's, that's what we want to see because I think that's the concern everybody had with him coming out of last year was like he he gets a lot of people out but not necessarily by strikeouts so i will say this like i liked him regardless of what he did in the spring based on what i saw last year uh i didn't get a chance to watch but if he's getting 24 strikeouts he must have sharpened the third pitch right that's just the reality so that's exciting um the 0.5 whip you know speaks to his accuracy which was what i took away from last year it sets up the change up 
uh, he might be one of the better tunnelers out there. So this is a guy that I, I think uh, really could be a bust, like a breakout guy and bust through a lot of expectations. Yeah. Uh, Shintero Fujunami, who signed a one-year $7 million, I believe that's correct, one-year $7 million deal with Oakland, had a solid line outside of just this one thing, Ty, which I know you'll forgive, and that's 17 walks in 18 and two-thirds innings. <laughs> I mean, now this goes back to my point of if um, Kikuchi, it, when he gets to ball three, is told throw, throw strikes don't give away the walk. If the same mentality is given to Fujinami, I could honestly see him becoming a pretty solid pitcher. But I'm not in, like, you know, DePoto doesn't return my calls, so I don't even know who I'd have to talk to in Oakland. I don't have a contact number for there. Um, but that would be my advice would be tell him not to lose batters like he did in the spring. Uh, the other interesting thing is it's been announced that he's only going to start once a week and it's just going to be on Saturday. He's just going to start Saturdays. So if that's the case for a one year contract, I find it very odd. I mean, push the guy, right? He's not a kid. He's 27 years old. Um, but maybe they're going to do that for the first, whatever, six, eight starts. And then they'll realize, okay, he is going to be part of our rotation, part of our future, or no, he is not. Um, and we'll just, you know, whatever, put him in every fifth day, something like that. I, I can't assume this is how Oakland would roll to say you're going to be Saturday because that means they're going to push somebody back one week. They're going to move somebody up the next, and it's going to start to screw with the peripheral guys around. And I can't imagine um, with the newer rules about calling guys up and setting them down, that it's going to be like, well, we'll just send JP Sears down this time so he gets regular rest, and then we'll call up Kyle Muller so that he can pitch on his own regular rest, and then screw it all up again in four days, you know, to avoid this, to make sure you know Fujinami's on the Saturday start, unless he is just dealing. Right at that you know, point in time, you make the adjustment, but he certainly didn't earn it this spring. Do you know it'd be a really interesting model that's just like light bulb went off for me? Is if this is a is a potential trend that we see to add an extra rest day to the starting rotation. But what you do is you pitch these guys out of the pen on their bullpen days intentionally. Like I'd you love know, that. right? Like like I'm not it just doesn't make sense for all the reasons you just stated. Yeah. Uh, but that like the light bulb for me was like, I think they're gonna do this. Like I I it makes a lot of sense because I think the big thing, and I, I said this when, when he signed, Robbie, the hook for me is the big concern. So what do you want to do with a guy like that? You want him to work on it. So what do you need? Side sessions. Where can you do that? Out of the bullpen. You get real major league at-bats with a side session mentality to go and work on it. Oakland doesn't care how many games they win this year. They want Dylan Cruz, and they want to be done with it. Like, that's that's what they're playing for. Um, and, and you know, that's that's this is an interesting move. I, I I like the upside here. He could be the closer on those days for the way, with the way that bullpen's built. Well, my my honest opinion is if he if he doesn't do what they need, right? Like if he's not going to be one of their starters, why wouldn't you just move him to the bullpen? If because you're not going to deal him, no one's going to give you anything back for him. If he's if he's not doing it, <clears throat> excuse me, like five and a half ERA, one point eight WHIP isn't going to get it, you know, get it done. Um, but if he has numbers closer to what he did in the spring and controls the walks. Like who, who does Oakland need to impress? Like you said, all they need to do is be happy with it, but it's only a one-year deal. So, I mean, push the guy. And if you've agreed to not start that way, that doesn't mean you can't change your mind yeah. in season. Well, fastball splitter plays at the major league level. It's the, it's the other pitches that, that aren't major league ready. So if they can figure those ones out, this kid could be a, a big deal. Uh, speaking of guys that made a big deal this spring, Jared Schuster, you talked about that off the hop a little bit. 
Uh, he he made the Atlanta roster. You know, I think he might have made the fifth spot regardless of the injuries mm-hmm. that they they faced. Um, Dodd was the one that kind of limped in, but I, I think Schuster 0.5 ERA. Uh, this is a first round guy out of Wake, right? This is a Wake Forest guy. Uh, Not sure where he was. I know he was a college guy. Yeah. So 18 and two innings, 0.59 whip, 18 strikeouts. Good for you, kid. Uh, go get him. Don't uh, don't get hurt. Uh, and and go rip it. So speaking of guys that um, may or may not get hurt in this list, we've got a bunch of them. <laughs> Josiah Gray is a guy we both like. Robbie added a cutter. So I did my digging. Um, you know, and I mentioned it a couple weeks ago that you've been all over him, and and I did my digging after that. Um, the cutter is a big deal, and we saw it in the spring. He got he got to six innings in his last outing. Robbie, uh, that's that's a big deal for Josiah Gray because the stuff to get people out is there. It's whether or not he can make it past five innings that's really haunted him. Uh, and I think this is a promising sign here. Jameson Tyon in Chicago had a mediocre spring, um, but he's going to get all the opportunity to win games in Chicago. I, I think if I was to pick one NL team that could make the playoffs and no one is predicting it, for me, it's Chicago. Uh, Stroman looks really good in the spring. Uh, you know, they added a couple older veteran guys across that whole roster that could uh, have, have a major impact. Steven Matz is a guy that uh, left Toronto. Signed the big deal here in St. Louis. He's a guy that I think people forgot about that could have a sneaky good season and cost you nothing. Jake Woodford yep. is is a placeholder until they decide which one of their minor leaguers they want to bring up. Oh, it's and Wainwright. It's it's Wainwright missing time that got Woodford in tie. Sorry, I didn't I didn't uh, write that note. Yeah, in. yeah. Sorry, let me. But it's interesting on that. that they gave it to Woodford. I think that's like kind of well. Fun. I think they're He's saving the minor league. Guy. But I think they're saving the minor league spot um, for when Flaherty goes down. So is that a, a Houston Astros jer- jersey oh, you're wearing? Yes, it is, buddy. Oh, my God. Go to hell. Jeez. Wait, it's Nolan Ryan, man. Relax. I don't care who's on the back. Oh, It's on the front. Dude. Where's your trash can? It's right beside me. I was. I almost <laughs> opened the show with it, the trash can. But um, it said I did a I'm trash not, can. I am not from the school of thought that the Astros are scum. Um, I will draft all of them on my roster all day every day because they just keep winning and as a mariners fan i i don't agree with you anyway that's fine that's fine These uh, guys other guys that had decent springs chasing. solid lines yep dylan dodd solid dustin may solid verlander solid i just wanted to note those guys that they were good some guys that sucked jack flaherty trevor williams zach plecash um chad cool who's with washington sp5 in washington's gonna be rough in Washington um, on the non Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gordays and the Gordays could be rough, but at least you want to watch them and then see, you know, is it really rough? And then Jose Urena with Colorado all had very bad Springs. Um, not ideal, but again, like Jack Flaherty is somebody that a lot of people are really trying to push Trevor Williams. Again, that's another Washington guy like Corbin Corbin. No, sorry, not Corbin Kell. Um, uh, Corbin. What is it? Patrick Corbin. I mean, Holy crap. That yeah, was hard. Oh, words is tough. Trevor, Patrick Corbin, uh, Trevor Williams, and Chad Cool, as part of that Washington rotation. Um, you're talking about the the fight for Dylan Cruz. I think that's your first place runner right there um, with that rotation. Woof, buff, woof. Anyway, yeah, I'm, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure Washington's going to be as bad as people think. I I think they've got enough upside on their roster to win some games. I I think they're going to be better than than oakland for sure uh that's kind of my take but i i will say this like if you look at oakland's roster there there's some pieces there like there's not nothing 
And I think it's a really interesting lineup to watch for this year. Um, you know, you look at the spring on the offensive side, we saw Corbin Carroll. I think everybody's assuming he's going to be great. I, I'm I'm not there yet, Robbie. I, I still think there's uh, a good baseball player here. I, I don't think he's the superstar that everybody thinks he's going to be. Uh, he reminds me a little bit of like Adam Eaton, you know, as a like kind of grinder. Like injured looking. or pre-injured? Well, we'll see. I mean, he pre-injured is good. I agree, like, but Adam Eaton was never a superstar. He was always just a good player, and I think people have talked themselves into Corbin Carroll being a superstar, and that's that's kind of where I draw the line. Blake Sable, uh, catcher in San Francisco, big red flag on Sable is he cannot throw anybody out at all. Uh, oh, okay. It's bad. It's terrible. So that's one of the big things that's going to haunt him in terms of playing time. So we'll see. We've talked about that a bunch. If you don't play defense, you don't get to play. Sable's in, in risk of that one. Robbie Grossman is a guy that, you know, interestingly was given the job in texas robbie yeah i know you're know. you're a grossman guy uh well I, no, i'm not no no i was big on grossman last year and he really disappointed me um but the fact that he's had 11 walks that that was his thing in 2021 ty was yep. he was an equal k to walk guy and then he lost it last year and just sucked and 11 walks this spring tells me he's seeing the ball again so yep. i i mean total sleeper because everybody hates him right now after last year absolute sleeper in texas robbie grossman could be a pretty productive player yeah no i mean that's that was what i was going to cue you up before you got upset uh for for to make that kind of my emotions got the better of me i apologize (laughs) (laughs) so Derek hall in philadelphia uh is, is a guy that i think a lot of people are buying right now robbie and it's an interesting one for me because if you look at that lineup construction like once bryce harper's back there's not a bats for for hall i mean hoskins certainly helps Right, but I still don't know how many at bats are there for Derek Hall, and if that team's truly going to make a run, um, they're probably still going to have to add a couple pieces. I, I just that's my big concern with Hall is like, is he going to be the guy that actually gets the at bats? He's going to start that way. I, I'm concerned he's not going to end that way, but certainly looks good in the spring as a guy that could potentially add some value. Matt Olson had a, a absolutely rocking spring, and yeah. you know I think big things for Atlanta offensively, especially if. If you got a healthy Acuna, you got Olsen doing this, and you got even 95% of Albies, you are you are laughing. Uh, Mike Brasso absolutely crushes lefties. He did that all spring. He's going to just continue to hit lefties and sit on the bench against righties. That's just his thing. So don't be surprised. We talked about Romy Gonzalez already in Chicago who cracked the roster. Six bombs on Robbie Betts. I mean, that's outside mm-hmm. the norm for, for him. You know, yes. I think if we got 15 to 20, I think that would be like That'd a be shock be- to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think he's going to get enough at bats to, to get that. That's my take. But like, if you got 15 to 20, that's an absolute steal where you're going to buy- be buying him in any draft. Uh, Massey is a guy in, in Kansas city that Robbie, I'm going to throw to you because I know very little about have paid very little attention to Massey. Um, and, and I'm just going to defer on that one. Yeah, just a good spring for a guy that everybody was like, yeah, he should be the second baseman. And he was like decent when he came out last year. And then as the season wore on, he just got, you know, stat line, everything went down a little bit. Um, we've talked about it countless times. It's it's fatigue. It's players who have life-changing things go on. And as the year goes on for them, you know, those those initial like exciting things, adrenaline running through you, you know, you're now you're an MLB beer, right? You were just rocking in AAA. Now you're an MLB beer. Um, they can wear you down a bit and he wore down last year, but the spring he's back to the form that we want to see as fantasy GMs, 279 average, a thousand seven OPS and five home runs. 
Um, Kansas City is not necessarily a good team, not necessarily a bad team, certainly not expected over the course of the year to be highly competitive. But if you got a guy like Massey who's able to bump up his stat line from last year, that can make a team that might be considered 500 at best to end up becoming a 500 team that could end uh, or sorry, that could actually be helping out a lot of other guys if he's making good contact. So it's a good thing to see um, Massey have a solid spring and get his job. Do you, think, base. Uh, do you think he can play third, right? Like, do we think it's a foregone conclusion that he holds off Nicky Lopez? Uh, not a foregone conclusion. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to work for Nicky Lopez. I know no one likes Nicky Lopez right now because he very much like Grossman had the great 2021 um, as far as like kind of like a you know pseudo breakout for him, but then regressed so badly last year that people are just not interested. I've never been a big Lopez guy, but I did acquire him in one league with contracts um, simply because the, the guy that had him didn't want the $8 million hit. So I was like, yeah, he's got three position eligibility. It's a 30 team league. I'll take him. And then if somebody disappoints or gets hurt, um, Lopez just becomes a starter. And that's exactly what he's doing for me sitting on my bench until that time comes. But uh, um, a massy spring, a strong one like this does set a, a guy like Lopez back a little bit right now. Yeah, definitely. Uh, going back to Oakland, we've spent way too much time on Oakland tonight, but Asturio yeah. Ruiz and Kevin Smith both had reasonable springs, 17 and 15 RBIs. Uh, you know, I commented on a couple feeds again this week just saying, like, listen, Oakland's going to outperform almost everybody's expectations. Right? Everybody's just assuming they're going to be the worst. But there's going to be some stats here. The problem in Oakland is the pitching, and, and that's where they're really going to get banged up. There's some deals on offense, Robbie. I know Kevin Smith is a guy that we both talked about as a guy that could – um be good he just continues to not be and so this yeah. spring is the first sign of that that we've seen at the pro level so we'll see if he can continue that or gets the opportunities i don't believe he's going to break camp with oakland i think we're going to see him you know at some point in the season um probably for for a long haul and this is the first time we're going to go to seattle robbie so i'm going to kick it to you here uh for your for your first seattle mention yeah, just to confirm, Kevin Smith um, is going to AAA. It was announced this morning that he's not going to yeah. make the opening day roster. But I don't see that as the worst thing for him because last year he came up and everybody was pretty hyped up for him to just be the third baseman. Um, I was pumping the brakes on him last year saying, whoa, whoa there's another guy in Oakland, uh, Dermis Garcia. And Garcia seems to be lost in the fold in Oakland. Uh, Kevin Smith, I don't think, is in that same pos position. I think he's going down to AAA to start and then to come up um, if and when a spot is available. Now off to uh, Marinerville with Jerry. Uh, amazing, yes, amazing offseason acquisition. Cooper Hummel, who he stole for the low, low price of 2020 Rookie of the Year, Kyle Lewis, who couldn't stay healthy, but actually was this spring. Uh, Hummel had 15 freaking runs in spring training tie, they were putting him out and he was just scoring and scoring and scoring. Um, this is a depth piece for Seattle. This is a potential third catcher, a potential, you know, outfielder on certain days. Uh, Hummel is going to get a great experience with Seattle. I believe it's probably going to be a full season at the MLB level between him and Dylan Moore. Seattle can cover every single position. <laughs> um, I don't know which one of those two is going to pitch, but the other, like Huma will probably pitch, or sorry, will probably catch when Dylan Moore is pitching. But those two guys are just going to be the Sandlot players for um, 
the Mariners this year, and Hummel might, you know, get get himself on a run where we're starting to see 15 at bats a week. And at that point in time, in some of your deeper leagues, you might want to take a look again. Like he's a good well, hitter. He's a good contact hitter. Issue last year with Arizona was he he was just so poor average wise that it didn't matter when he had a two walk game, and then all of a sudden he sat for three games. Like he just couldn't get yeah. it going with the Diamondbacks. A catcher's never going to pitch because they got that pie throwing mentality with that short arm delivery. So well, he just put down that. on his knees, right? Get down on his knees and just throw it in. <laughs> Benito Santiago style, I like it. Uh, Bryce Johnson here, say San Francisco, thirteen runs, twelve stolen bases. Whoa, uh, yeah, made the team. You talked about the banged up outfield here. Like, there's a real opportunity for some innings. How long that's going to last, we'll see. But speed plays, especially with triples alley. Like, if you can play a little bit of defense and go get them, as they say, uh, there's going to be a spot for you if you can get on base and, and steal bases. I think it's going to be an interesting season on the stolen base front. We really just don't know how significant that's going to be yet. We are seeing some spikes in, in stolen bases in the spring, but we always see certain guys try it, whether it carries over. That's going to be the big question, Robbie. Have you seen the uh, Vogelbach Mets MLB commercial for stolen bases? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I saw it today and I just like, I burst out laughing. So the commercial is Dan Vogelbach is on first base and he looks over at second. And then it's the voiceover. And he's like, I'm going to, with these new bigger bases, I'm going to steal second base. And then they go to Buck Showalter and Showalter's voiceover is, is he thinking of stealing second base? <laughs> and then they just have the conversation where they're looking at each other. And I'm like, that is that is such a great thing. Like that is so un MLB like. I loved it. Oh my god, I loved it. My, it was so funny. My bro- my brother flagged those commercials. Not that one. I didn't know about that one. But yeah. he talked about how good a job MLB did with the rollout of the rules, talking about the improvements and that sort of thing. And and just that they were actually legitimately funny. And yeah, you know, I would go find that commercial. It is, it is going to make you laugh. And I, I didn't continue <laughs> to say about it. Like I didn't walk you through the whole thing, but oh man, just the premise is great. Right? Like Dan Vogelbach, I'm going to steal a base. Like <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So Jose Siri, who mentioned earlier, Robbie, just while we're talking stolen bases is a guy yeah. to watch on that front. Like you're, you're talking about a guy that, you know, I'm not going to say a guarantee or, or for sure thing. Cause we still don't know if Siri can stick in, in full-time role. But I, I think there's a scenario there that's real um, where he could lead the American League in stolen bases. Like, as crazy as that sounds. Like, if you Don't want a dark horse. Predictions. What are you doing? I'm just saying, if there's, a, if there's a dark horse, that's one of them. Um, I just I think that's interesting. Um, Connor Capel, 13 stolen bases. Uh, 13 Jose walks, Bur- Ty. He led. Sorry, he yep. led minor league, or sorry, he led spring training in walks. Yeah, that's, I just My wanted bad. to note that. That's all. Yep, and Jose Brio in Cincinnati is the guy that I. I are they going to give him the job? I mean, three eleven. It's average, not over yet. OPS, <laughs> ten RBIs, a couple triples. Like this is the guy, Robbie. You flagged like what three years ago as the guy to watch in Cincinnati. Uh, it obviously changed when all of your uh, Seattle managers got traded over there. <laughs> but you know, definitely a little bit more depth there than there was when you made that statement. But a guy that's right there on the cusp has the, the potential to be a major leaguer. Worst case, they let him play outfield. They'll let anyone play outfield in Cincinnati. So that's definitely on the docket as well, too. So that wraps up spring training numbers. And Robbie, we're we're gonna bring this this episode home um, just by going through our predictions for the year. Uh, we're gonna go through 
statistical leaders and and then some of the awards uh, as well. So, uh, Robbie, we'll, we'll kick it off here with with ale runs, uh, ale run leaders, and and you went with a guy that's probably only going to play half the season, which is interesting. Oh uh, let me know what your thoughts are here. Oh, uh, I want to put a quick little bow in the Jose Barrio discussion. I just quickly looked to see if there were like a confer- confirmation on him at for opening day or not. But I actually found a note from the 19th of March that said he's getting time in center field, which is Will Benson's position. But more importantly, the fact that the Reds might actually be looking to find a way to get him in the lineup is like a first ever. So that's a great sign. I'll leave it at that. Um, defending uh, AL MVP Aaron Judge is my pick for runs. He also led the league last year in runs with like 133. Um I mean, when you're hitting 62 bombs, that's 62 runs automatically. So I think Judge is still in the 50-run category. I think the Yankees are still going to be pretty solid with the OBP. Some of those young guns might be on base for him, and I see more runs coming for him. So that's all it is. It's just like a track record. All he needs is exactly what you said he's not going to have, and that's health. Yeah, well, and that's the big thing. Like, And if you look historically at guys that you know put that much contact into play, you know, even without being the massive human being that Aaron Judge is, um, there's just way too many things. First year on a big contract, like these things just find a way to kind of be a perfect storm in a lot of these scenarios. I'm going to bet on that. I don't disagree. If he's healthy, he probably leads this category. I'm not afraid to say that. I'm playing the fact that he probably doesn't. I'm going to go in division, and I'm going to pick Boba Shett to be the runs leader. I just don't think people realize – um, how many hits he gets and how many times he's on base and, and just how bad the middle of that lineup was behind him last year. And they still got near the top um, of, of the group. So I think with an improvement and a bounce back from the couple of characters behind him, I, I think Boba Shed is, is in that category, uh, at least in contention. Uh, and I think with a couple things falling the right way could, could lead that. And that's going to piss a whole bunch of people off because they're like, he can't play defense. Who cares? He scores runs. That's what we're talking about. Um, even though, even though I'll say this, Robbie, and, and I'm, I'm not going to mention him when we get down to it. Um, but potential, uh, actually, we don't have this on here. I take the back. Uh, potential guy that could be a sneaky candidate for a Gold Glove, and and I, I think that will shock people to hear that. But I'm just saying the progressions there. Um, it's just throwing errors. That's an easy thing to fix. So it's just throwing it. I mean, his poor play at shortstop helped to make Vladdy a gold glover. So correct. <laughs> um, for NL tie, who do you have for the run leader? Yeah, I went with Trey Turner, safe bet. I just think putting him in the front of the Philly offense, uh, I just I like it. I think he's gonna hit a couple more home runs uh this year in Philly. I think he's gonna see some better pitches, even though that that uh LA lineup was great. I think he's going to have a little bit better scenario to hit in, in Philly for him this year. Uh, so I, I like that one. Okay. I've got Corbin Carroll with Arizona. That's a bit of the shock one, but the reason being is that he's going to be there from the onset. He's got a good average, so he's going to be on base and they do have some bigger bats in the lineup. And as long as he's running quickly, getting, you know, that OPS up hitting doubles and triples, he'll be scoring. It's a surprise pick. But that's just the way I wanted to go, Ty. Um, continue your homer out with the AL home run leader. Why don't you? Yeah, I'm. I'm just betting bounce back on Vladdy. Like if it's not Judge, it's Vladdy. Like I just think that's the reality. The only other person really for me that's even in this conversation 
um, is is Yonder or Jordan? Sorry, Jordan uh, Alvarez in okay. Houston, right? Like, there's a there's a real dark horse in Eloy Jimenez, but like for me, it's it's a three horse race. Uh, if if all are healthy, it's going to come down to one of those three. And I mean, I'm I'm going back to back runs and home runs. Judge, like, how do you? I don't know why we're even talking about Vlad, who was like half the homer total of Judge on what was considered a down year. But I mean, I. I can't bet against the guy. I've loved him since he was a prospect that nobody else liked. You know, when everybody was like, oh, he's, he's got issues. You were talking about gap in the swing and whatever. I've had him. Um, I love him. The, you know, decision that I will never regret is trading him along with several other keepers to Smitty in the home league who was able to use those keepers to win a championship the same year I missed the playoffs. Um, and I got Soto back and I gave up Judge Vlad and others. But uh, whatever. I still think Judge is, is the man uh, when healthy. So uh, anyway, for the NL tie, I went with a bit of a surprise, basically because you took my boy. So I'm like, you know what? If there's a guy who could break out and, and do it on the offensive side that would be exciting and impressive, it's going to be Austin Riley with the Braves because the lineup is loaded, which leads into the next category. But he is a power bat. He went from a top 100 prospect who disappointed to a legit MLB. You talked about it the World Series year with Atlanta, how he was hitting the ball so damn hard and it was just great defense catching it. Well, all of a sudden the ball goes a little higher out of the park. I think Riley's got a shot and I think he's going to be the NL home run leader. Whew. I mean, I, I don't hate it because it's definitely possible. And I definitely picked Alonzo just to make you pick somebody else. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, a guy here for me that. Is a is a dark horse because he's going to play less games. Tatis is a guy that if if we're not into the fifties, right, if we don't see fifty one plus home runs, like I still think Tatis can get to forty in less games. Uh, we'll see. So just as a guy that's a dark horse, there's only a handful of guys in the NL that can get to forty, right? So you know I, I think that's an interesting note. ALRBIs. I went with Flatty to go in line with the home runs. Uh, I think it's interesting that you went to a different guy after picking the runs and home runs leader and then decided not to make him their RBI's leader. I found that an interesting uh, equation, Robbie. Please expand. Absolutely. I think Josh Bell is going to lead the AL in RBI's, and um, it is a story that will play out throughout my rankings as far as what I feel like teams can do. And Bell is going to be surrounded by high-contact hitters who are going to be on base in front of him in Stephen Kwan, Ahmed Rosario. Um, he's got that Ramirez guy. There, There's just going to be talent on base for him to drive in, and I can see him doing that, not having to hit everything as a home run, but being able to just drive runs in, whereas with Judge, it's like power, power, power. But um, the Yankees have been more OBP than they have contact, and I think Cleveland's more contact, which might create the... Um, create the opportunity for bell to drive runs in i think it's going to be a bit of a perfect storm for him to do it yeah so my issue with with bell is that if we were giving first half season awards bell's got on this list uh but bell generally does not show up for the second half of the season um that is the big issue with with josh bell um so i i, I like josh bell that's not to slight on him but nl nlrbis you went with uh riley who's your home leader home run leader which does align with your uh, the the math there? I yeah. went very very similar reason to what you just went on on Bell um, in the NL, but it's also because 
you know, for Alonzo, I don't think he's in the same scenario as some of the other guys that we've mentioned so far in New York, where he's going to have a pile of RBIs in front of him, just based on like, we don't know if Lindor can continue to the, the bounce back, right? Like we, we assume that, right. We assume there's going to be some guys on, but uh, I don't, I don't like to bet on that, but what you can guarantee is, is Manny Machado is going to hit some baseballs, right? That's just what he does. And if you wedge him between all of that talent that they have at the top of that lineup, I just don't see a scenario where he's not having his best, best season this year. Like if he's healthy, like he has a career year in my opinion. Okay. That's fair enough. Now let's get into the category that um, is your favorite. And I don't care at all about stolen bases. <laughs> just kidding. Everybody. I live and die by the bag swiped. Um, so I'm picking no surprise to anybody who's been listening for the whole off season. Bubba Thompson with Texas. I think, the Leody Tavares injury is just good fortune for that to be locked and loaded because he stole 60 plus bases between MLB and AAA last year. I don't see a reason why Texas wouldn't want to continue to push him to do that. We talked about scenarios where he comes into games late. I just think this is almost like a foregone conclusion. If he plays all year in MLB, he's going to swipe 50 bags and I can't wait for that to happen. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a, an interesting one there for sure. Uh, I think there's there's a high possibility that he's the AL leader. And the NL side, I went with Acuna. Um, you know, one guy that I said last year, Robbie, I absolutely thought was going to fall off the cliff, stolen bases. Yeah, so surprised uh, with your pick when I saw it. Yeah, but he stole 29 bases, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and kind of threw Power my, was down. Yep, kind of threw my opinion out the window. Um, he's only stole one in the spring, which I don't think is an alarming number yet. Uh, but he did talk about it in the offseason, and I saw it in multiple publications where he's like, I'm just going to steal as many bases as, as I can. And so it sounds like he wants to run, and it sounds like he's going to try to run, and maybe that's why Atlanta tried to trade him in the offseason because um, they have the same <laughs> concerns that I do. But uh, you know, ultimately, I think there's a guy with upside on the stolen bases, and, and I don't have a bunch of targets on the NL side outside of guys that are nobodies that had decent springs. right? So there's just not a lot of stolen base targets because we haven't seen it over the last couple of years. So it's, yeah. this is a difficult category to pick. Um, so I'll, I'll stick with something that's reasonably safe. I think we're primed for a bunch of new names to hit the list though. That's the thing. Like I whether agree. you want to say it's the stolen bases, it's the throwing over rule, pick your poison as to why I think we're just going to see some new guys who were like, Hey, this guy's got 25 and this guy's got 20. And you know, yeah. for the, for the NL, the possibility, like you said, Acuna, I think a Corbin Carroll could be up there in the 30, but I didn't want to give too much credit um, knowing that I want him to be getting runs. Obviously, he's going to need to be getting in scoring position for that, but I didn't want to go hand in hand like I did with some of my other categories. But I think Trey Turner is in an amazing position with the Phillies to just be locked and loaded for stolen bases. And the reason being is that he's going to move himself around to get in position. And once there's two outs, I bet he becomes very aggressive on the base paths because he would probably prefer to get caught trying to steal to get into scoring position than he would a force out at say second or third. He'd rather put that gap between that's just, you know, the gamer mentality, right? We all saw how exciting it was in the world uh, baseball classic with Trey Turner, just doing his thing. He's hitting bombs and doing all those other things. He guy also steals bases. Excellent base runner too. You didn't mention your AL guy oh yeah we skipped over him my bad yeah, yeah. i went uh story ruiz is a guy that is the reason pache is getting dumped uh so this is a guy that runs like the wind it's just a, 
the only thing that stopped him from stealing bases is that he hasn't had playing time. So um, for me on the AL side, Robbie, I think um, it's an absolute race uh, between the two guys that we have. It's Bubba and Asturi. And I think it comes down to one thing who plays the most games. I really do. Uh, I think it's that simple for those two guys. Cause I don't think there's anybody else even in the same category uh, of stolen bases as these two. So, you know, I think that, that they're in a tier of their own. I think it's going to come down to those two. Uh, and I think on the AL win side, uh, I, I find it really interesting on, on your pick, Robbie. Robbie Ray uh, is a guy that's going to get some wins, no doubt, in Seattle. Um, I went Dylan Cease uh, in, in Chicago. Both teams are, are teams that are expected to be reasonably good. Uh, Seattle's supposed to be really good. Uh, talk to me about Robbie Ray and win totals because it's never been his big, big M.O. Yeah, so here's here's the thing. He just needs to get 15 outs, and then he's in position for the win. Seattle is very good at the baseball. Their bullpen is even better, more experienced than last year, even though they lost Eric Swanson, lost air quotes, because with relief pitchers, there's some volatility, which is, again, another strength of the Mariners' bullpen. If they do have some volatility, they got enough guys, high-end guys, that they should be able to still close out games so if Ray leaves with the lead more often than not, he's going to end up getting the win. And I think this could just be one of those years where we see 18 to 20 wins because the Mariners are going to win 90 plus the balanced schedule instead of the uh, AL West beating the crap out of each other with, you know, Texas and Houston going at it and the angels hopefully being competitive too. Um, and everybody just like taking it to Oakland. They're going to spread it out a bit more. You know, they're going to have some, um, AL E or sorry, NL East games, you know, they're going to beat up on the pirates in the central, the reds and could be, you know, less competitive than we, than we'd like. Um, and that's an opportunity again for Robbie Ray to pick up some more wins. He also has played in the NL West for a lot of years. So he's going to be comfortable when he's going into, you know, Dodger stadium playing against the diamondbacks. I think this is just going to be a bit of a perfect storm for Robbie Ray's win total for this year. Call it a J a hap kind of come together win total season when hap 120 so one of the big concerns i have uh with seattle in general uh they were 27th in major league baseball last year in hits they addressed they two, that. uh did they yeah cooper yeah no cooper Hummel is not the answer to to being 27th um well 26th <laughs> with him <laughs> Teoscar, Teoscar does a little bit more to help that yeah, also um, not losing all the at-bats to Kelnick and Kyle Lewis, you know, not play the outfield in general just being better. Um, you know, Mitch Haniger was also not good last year with Seattle. They've hopefully just improved through losing a few dudes more than it was improved by gaining Tay Oscar. Yeah. I I'm, I'm still out on on their premium success. Like they're okay. still a good base. They're still a good baseball team, but they're the one team that like everybody has in the playoffs that I think could miss um, that I think, because there is, there is a bit of an upper tier in the AL. Uh, they're in it currently. They're just, that's my big concern. They're not, not anything that they can't work through or improve on. Just that's the one, one flag there. Um, the White Sox had an awful time last year, injuries across the board. Dylan Cease was, was a bright spot. Uh, I think he just twirls it. He's going to have strikeouts. Uh, he's going to get wins. And and I think he's a he's as good a candidate as anybody uh, in the AL to be the wins leader. So I like that one. On the NL side, I went Corbin Burns. It's about as safe as bet as you're going to find on the NL side. 
Uh, you can go with the old guys in in New York, but um, I'm gonna bet on on somebody in the prime and <laughs> and somebody that's pissed, right? He's pissed about his arbitration thing, um, which which is funny because like you went to arbitration, like you're you're an idiot if you walk into that and don't think people are gonna try to win uh, and say whatever they take. Like you think they're gonna come in there like, hey, you want some cotton candy while we go through this or like what were you expecting, dude? So that's that's one thing, but I, I do like the chip on his shoulder. That I'm I'm gonna bet on, and that's why I like him to be the NL wins leader. Well, I did go with one of the old guys on the Mets. I've taken <laughs> Max Scherzer. Um, yeah. No disrespect to Verlander, but uh, I feel like Mad Max is due for a full season, and when he gets that full season of thirty plus starts, we're gonna see eighteen plus wins because the Mets are very good. Even losing Diaz, which is terrible, um, didn't obliterate their bullpen they still have other guys with closing experience david robertson is one Ottavino, and um, of course i got to get in my brooks Raley con conversations whenever i can so there are guys who can help to keep the mets in the lead when they have the lead so um it's max for me but on to saves ty we did we can say the nl since we both had the same same guy um i really like milwaukee's ability to win games in a lot of different ways this year. We're not so sure exactly what they're going to do as far as matchups. You know, Craig Council's got a big job ahead of him this year, managing all those players that he's been given, um, but he'll never have to waver on the bullpen and the guy that ends the game uh, in Devin Williams. And I think that's a compliment to him that they were willing to trade Josh Hader last year. Yes, there was a bit of a money issue potentially going to happen this year with it, but also the fact that they were a playoff team who traded away their closer when the team wanted them to be adding guys. They said, no, no, we can do it without him, this all-star, and this is our guy. And I think yeah. he's going to lead the NL and saves. You agree. My my favorite thing about uh, Devin Williams is that he throws the same changeup grip as I do, and it just makes me happy to say that I throw the airbender. Um, I'm super happy about it. Uh, he throws it significantly better, uh, but oh, okay. you know it still makes me makes me happy. Um, and 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 I've been on Devin Williams for years. This is a guy that I've liked for a long time, uh, and and have owned in a lot of places. But I, I like Milwaukee's chances uh, to be a playoff team. I, I think with any injuries in the AL uh, or the NL East, sorry, I, I think the Brewers are going to be a playoff team. Uh, I don't think they make it without some help. So. Uh, Devin, if they do get there, it's going to be partly on the back of Devin Williams, uh, and that's going to be interesting. Uh, K leaders, we talked about these guys already, so we can skate through this one pretty quick. Uh, ALK leaders, Robbie had Robbie Ray. I had Dylan Cease in line with our win totals. NL side, uh, <laughs> Robbie went with the other old guy in Justin Verlander. So, yep. uh, well, let me very quickly just tell you, I don't want to slow this down at all, but like Justin Verlander has had seasons with. 269 Ks, 219, 250, 239, 217, 254, 219, 290, 300, and then last year, 185. Coming back from Tommy John, I think we're in for a big Verlander K season, and uh, I'm excited for it. That's all. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm a little scared of the age. I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, I do, I do like him uh, as a. As He's a my age. Assessment. What do you mean? We're the same age. Justin Verlander and I are basically the same guy. It comes. It goes without saying that that doesn't that doesn't bode well for Justin Verlander. <laughs> Wait, what? Why? Just uh, because what? it hurts when I stand up? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. 
Yeah, so uh, I went with the complete opposite uh, in a young guy. And this one actually hurt me because I'm not yeah, a I'm huge so curious fan. with this pick for you. I, I just think the strikeouts are there. Like, it's it's just that simple. I wouldn't pick him in any other category except for this one. Um, okay. But Spencer Strider in Atlanta, uh, I, I do think he's still going to get strikeouts because the fastball-slider combo is is excellent. I, I don't think Atlanta has enough reason to move him out of the rotation. Uh, it would A lot of things would have to happen. For, for them to give up on the guy they just extended. Uh, so I, I think all that bodes for 200 strikeouts in the bank. And, and I think that's the, the easiest guy to bet on for me, a young guy that has strikeout numbers with two really, really good pitches. So I like that one. Um, next category, AL MVP is probably the easiest one on the board here, Robbie. Uh, what was Shohei Otani? This one, I, I do, I will say this. I want the AL MVP and MVP in general to be the guy that impacts the the team making the playoffs the most like i don't care how many positions they play or what their stats are i just want the award to go to the most important guy on the roster for the teams that make the playoffs like that's what that award is supposed to be and it's become this other thing um and otani is is brings that all to light as to what's wrong with the way they're voting for that award right now um it's no knock on otani because he's obviously legendary player um, even in the brief window that we've seen him be legendary. Um, but, but it is a problem with the award for me. Um, it's, it's, it, but Otani's awesome. So there's no arguments on, on Otani being the selection there. Yeah. I'm with you on, on the NL side. I think, like I said earlier, a lot's going to come together for Trey Turner this year, including an MVP award, um, especially as the season wears on when he gets back Harper or not gets back, I guess it'll be the, you know, goes back to playing with Harper again. They were once teammates with the Nationals winning a World Series title. Uh, it's just going to make the team even better and then him even better. And I think it's just going to all come together this year for Trey. Yeah. I went with Manny Machado because it's, uh, it's probably his last season before Tatis wins 10 straight MVPs. So uh, Machado oh just had to gosh. be picked. <laughs> oh, Machado, just, Machado just had to be chosen here. Um, and, and I, I like, I said it earlier, I think this is going to be Machado's best season. Uh, I just think all the pieces are there for it to be the year for him. So I, I like that. Um, next up, AL Cy Young Award. We both doubled down on the Otani one. Um, this one hurt me a little bit, Robbie, um, to pick him as it, as it knowing he's not going to get the full innings. Uh, it's no knock again on Otani, but you know, I think there's, you know, you look at a C's, you look at, you know, the rest of the AL, like, there's just not those dominant guys that should run away with this award. Right. So that's, that's my big issue. Like you've got a couple guys that could certainly make it harder for Otani to come away with it. But if he, if he pitches 180 innings, which is possible, uh, I, I think he wins this award. I think that's really what it comes down to. Yeah. I think there's other guys that need to pitch 200 to 10 and do a lot of things and have a big body of work. I think Otani needs to go out and have, you know, 18 quality starts, 14 plus wins, and the Angels to, like you said about the MVP, the Angels to be a good team. And mm-hmm. in in doing that, Otani's going to get the wins. He's also going to, at that point in time, have 230 Ks in 180 innings because he's just going to be blowing it by guys because he's such a gamer. You know, yeah. um, we saw it in the WBC, we've seen it in previous years. Like this guy just loves to dominate in baseball. And um, I think I think this year is going to come together. Now I took a chance here. I took a swing with my Cy Young in the in the NL. I went with Nick Lodolo. 
Um, Ty, you have to support this decision because you said you like him. And one of the reasons why is I think he might get himself a lot of respect this year because I think the Reds rotation, Ashcroft part of this, might prove the Reds to be better than they're supposed to be. And Lodolo could be one of those guys who once upon a time, you know, you had your your ace of your staff emerge and you just you'd get on a two or three game losing skid and he'd come up. And you're like, oh, good. Now we've got some help today. I think Lodolo is going to be that guy for the Reds. Yes, they've got Hunter Green as well. Um, there, there are good things that could come in Cincinnati with the young guys all hanging out together. And I think Lodolo could just break out this year. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying Lodolo breakout. Let's go. I love Lodolo, but it is one year too early for Cy Young, in my opinion. Uh, conversations for him, but I, I do think he's on that path. Uh, I like leader in the clubhouse, Lodolo fan club over here, so no arguments there. Uh, I went with Burns. I stayed stayed on the chip on the shoulder. Uh, I think he's going to ratchet himself up for a run at free agency here, uh, and I think he's going to continue to build that that body of work that uh, we, we want to see from, from Corbin Burns in it. I mean, listen, like this is a guy that you and I talked about um, the breakouts before. Like, I mean, this is not something that, that we haven't been in on. And, and I think this is one where uh, he's got two more seasons here uh, before the free agent year. And so I, I think he's going to have a solid finish to his Milwaukee career uh, and he's going elsewhere. Like that's, that's a foregone conclusion. Milwaukee doesn't pay these guys. That's just the way they run their team. So um, starting to build their ale rookie of the year. This is a fun one, Robbie. Um, I'll let you tee off your first one here because we talked about him earlier in the show. Uh, and I know you've got some notes prepped. Yeah, Oscar Colos with the White Sox. I'm just excited that he's up. And uh, as I kind of alluded to earlier, I think that the idea behind his promotion um, to the team is that he's going to stick with them for the year. So he does need to come out swinging, but I'm just assuming he's going to, because why not, right? Take advantage of your opportunity, young man. And I think if he does that, the White Sox are a good team. I don't know that I trust the pitching all the way through. I don't know that I trust the bullpen all the way through, but I trust the offense for the White Sox to be good, put up four plus runs safely, have a lot of those seven, eight run games and Colas could be on the receiving end of a lot of runs, those extra at-bats too. Um, and I just think it could be a really good fit for him start of the year without picking somebody who I just think could be promoted, you know, in whatever, May. Picking someone out of the gate like Colas, to me, is a fun bet, a safe bet also. Who you yeah, got, Ty? I, this is my breakout guy for the whole year. Uh, I own him literally in every league that I'm in, uh, except for one, Robbie. Um, and, and I, I love, love, love this guy, uh, Josh Jung in Texas, uh, a guy that was top of the food chain in, in the Rangers system, had a shoulder surgery. Everybody forgot about him, Robbie, and, and has fallen off a lot of boards. Uh, but this guy is going to probably in all likelihood get sandwiched somewhere in this lineup in a really, really good spot. It, Texas faces a really interesting problem with their lineup construction because Marcus Simeon likes to hit leadoff when he shouldn't. Um, they, they've got him slotted one. Then you're going to go Seager, Nathaniel Lowe, back-to-back -back lefties. That I, I'm not so sure that that's the way they're going to build that roster. Um, you might see a tough discussion where Simeon moves into that two-hole so that they can go righty-lefty, righty. And I think Josh Jung finds himself in that four-hole and not Adolis Garcia, which some people might think is, is the right option. Uh, so Josh Young's a better contact hitter. Uh, all of the projections on batting average are way too low. Uh, I like 270 for him. 
Uh, I like 25 bombs and, and I like rookie of the year title on that one. All right. That that's very interesting. Uh, on the NL side, the Jung of the AL you've picked the Jung of the NL in uh, Mr. Walker. Do you need to explain it or do we all just understand Jordan Walker? Why not? Yeah. Yep. I think he's just, yeah, I think he's just the guy. Yep. For me. Okay. Um, I went with the outside pick with the outside man with James out man of the Los Angeles Dodgers. All he's done, Ty is hit. He is like the DJ Khalid of the West coast. All he does is win, 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 no matter what. Um, he, he doesn't lose weight because all he does is win. Thank you. Um, anyway, just big average guy. He's on the Dodgers there. You know, Miguel Vargas would be the pick of the rookies that people really like out there. I'm saying no. Go with, I think he's the 25-year-old Outman. Um, experienced AAA bat. Did very well last year in his little, you know, tea sandwich that he came up and had with the Dodgers before Jesus. he was demoted back. Tea sandwich is back, baby. Um, and I think Outman is going to be able to get some decent playing time. Chris Taylor could move around and Outman, um, Betts and Trace Thompson can be getting time in that outfield. So, so I only have two, two questions for you, Robbie. What happens yeah. when, uh, Poggies comes up and the other one, um, is if Corbin Carroll leads the league and runs, he's winner rookie of the year. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see all right we'll see. there's there's important things that happen with with james outman as a player and there's one stat that corbin carroll might be able to bank on so we'll just have to see and if yeah. it's a popularity contest outman has already lost um but luckily yes. it's not it, it's this up to some, some baseball like people so anyway time manager of the year this is the worst category so i tried to pick guys who i thought had work to do this year in the al i went with terry francona with cleveland because it's not easy to manage the back end of like what they did last year with their outfielders and having i guess it was almost six guys from previous years who were not mlbers become mlbers some with other teams um alex call amongst that who hey alex call made washington's opening day roster as the backup outfielder love it but anyway um francona was able to take homegrown guardian outfielders and make them legit players um i think he's got a tough job to do this year managing the bullpen is going to be interesting for him until he gets to the ninth and working through that rotation and all the wonky starters they've got so i think he's got a tough job to do but he's also got a lot of talent to work with and that's the that's really the job right managing the talent which is much more your pick than mine as far as the top end guys go but I, for me it's francona yeah and for me i think there's a story for mlb on my selection and it, and it plays the way i think the al is going to play out a little bit um talking about judge earlier with the injury uh that i'm predicting for him uh, I, I think the Yankees <laughs> missed the playoffs. I, I think that's the one thing um, that I've kind of got on, on my predictions. Their offense was woeful last year, and, and you're adding a lot of youth to it this year. Uh, I don't I don't think it gets a significant amount better. Like if Judge isn't Judge last season, they missed the playoffs. Uh, and so, you know, for me, the Yankees are susceptible right now, and I think that's part of why I have John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays. The, the, for, the assumption – is that Toronto could win that division. There's an outside shot. Kevin Cash in Tampa Bay wins that division. Uh, if that's the case, Cash is going to win the, the manager of the year. I There's there's only, the only other guy for me, Robbie, I don't think Fr Francona's in the playoffs either, 
but the only other guy for me that I think has an outside shot who's not even on my list um, of playoff teams that we're going to mention next um, would be in in Los Angeles Angels. Uh, I don't even know who their coach is these days. Uh, off the top of my head. Why do I not know this? Angels manager? No, I'm blanking. Yeah, I'll look it up. Yeah, whoever okay. that guy is, new new John Madden or Joe Madden, sorry, um, it would be the guy that I would I would pick because I, I do think if the Angels can get decent bullpen help, right? They need to add. They need to make a trade here at the end of spring to add to their bullpen. Um, if they can do that, the Angels can make the playoffs, uh, and and that would be the other guy that could win this award. But I, if not. I think it goes to an ALS team, and I'm picking Shine. Phil Nevin, Ty. Phil Nevin, former there we Oakland go. Athletic. I knew manager. it was a baseball player. So a I just couldn't think of who it was. Yep. Yeah. A quality manager there. Now oh. off to the NL. Oh, sorry. Well, I was just going to cue the NL, so you take it away. Okay. Uh, off to the NL. The story of a team that does very well is the story of a manager who does their job. We've already alluded to the difficulty ahead for Craig Council in Milwaukee dealing with Platoon City, whatever they're going to end up calling it. Plus, he's got a lot of young, studly outfielders, and he also has that former MVP in Christian Yelich, plus that dynamic rotation. Uh, I think he's going to not screw it up, which is really the job of the manager, and win NL Manager of the Year. Who do you have, Ty? Uh, I've got Snicker in Atlanta again. I just think that's the, the guy. I think the one thing Atlanta has that a lot of these other – NL contenders do not is pitching depth, right? You've got Mike Soroka coming back. You you've got Schuster breaking out. You've got Dodd who can do the job, but you've got guys in the wings still after that. Uh, Ian Anderson's there. I just think the starting rotation for Atlanta with that offense is going to put them at the top of that division. Everyone has the Mets. I, I don't see it, Robbie. Like I don't, I don't think the Mets are that team. Um, you know, I'm not entirely sure that bullpen can hold up if they have any injury in their rotation, uh, I, I just don't know that they can get it done. So uh, I know David Peterson won a lot of people's hearts this spring. I got into it with Cross on Twitter today um, about his some top 40 predictions. Uh, yeah, I saw but that. The, uh, <laughs> 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 Sorry, Eric, but <laughs> I, I don't agree. Um, anyway, no hard feelings. Um, the, the issue here is, is mostly just that I just don't think the Mets are as good as everybody thinks they are. Uh, with the you know the possible you know graduation, a couple of their young guys could change that. But given they want to give the vets some time, I have some concerns uh, with the, with that roster. So I got Atlanta in that spot. All right, I mean you know that's fine. So playoff teams in total here, Ty. Uh, AL playoff teams. I'm thinking that we've got division winners. I really it's a toss up. Tampa Bay, New York. For me, I'm going to just say the Yankees for the sake of giving a, a division winner. Uh, let's give Seattle the nod here in the NL or sorry in the, in the AL West, but I also think Texas and Houston sneak in. And then the other team is Cleveland who take the central. Who are you thinking are the playoff teams in the AL? Yeah, I've got Toronto, Chicago White Sox and Houston winning their divisions. I like Tampa, Seattle and Texas in behind that. Um, aforementioned New York missing, which is going to be different from a lot of boards. I mean, I'm always going to bet against the Yankees, Robbie. It's a default position for me, um, but I but I do have concerns. Like they don't have the depth that everybody thinks. They've got some that's right there or a year away, or I, I just don't think it's enough to support the massive holes they still have in that lineup. Uh, so you know, injuries to Stanton, Judge, 
you know, any of the starting rotation, which we've already seen, all of a sudden they're mediocre, right? And so that's that's really the issue with the Yankees for me is that they're really, really too susceptible. So um, that's where I'm at. All right. On the NL side, I've got the Mets to get the division. I also have um, the uh, Milwaukee Brewers to take the Central and the Dodgers to take the West with San Diego, St. Louis, and Atlanta as wild card teams. Yourself? Yeah, I got ATL taking the East, St. Louis in the Central, and the Dodgers in the West. Uh, I will say this: like the if the Padres get solid pitching, which is is definitely a stretch, uh, yeah. they could definitely win the West. Uh, the bullpen's good enough. The rotation needs some breakout guys. They need health from guys like Adrian Morhan. Uh, they need potentially Cole Hamels. They need potentially, crazily enough, Julio Tehran. Um, to maybe make some of this happen. Uh, but I, I do think offensively they're they're the best team in the NL. So it's just a matter of of deciding um, what kind of pitching for them to be either the, the division winner or or the uh, wildcard team. Um, the, the other teams that are going to get in behind them, uh, I like the Mets to still make the playoffs, like one of the Dodgers, the Padres, and, and I like Philly uh, in the East as well. Yeah, I, I like what Philly did in the bullpen, by the way. Yeah, I was deciding so I between Philly and San Diego for my spot. And I'm like, because both have shaky rotations. And I thought, well, if it all falls apart, San Diego can still win games um, ugly. And I don't know that if it all falls apart, Philly will still win games ugly because I don't see the starting pitcher depth unless they're going to go ahead and burn Painter and bring up Abel and um, uh, McGriff, the crime dog, unless they're going to just empty it out, which I mean, Dombrowski could, but I also think Cole Hamels is now with Philly and I'm not sure if that's official, but I thought I had read that um, it was stated that he would help the MLB team at some point this year. So whether he moved at the end or not, it could, I could have just been reading the wrong thing. I mean, he was a long time Philly, so it's possible that I just messed that up. But anyway, Ty, who do you have in the world series? So, and who's your champ? Cole, two, two days ago, Cole, oh, Cole Hamels looks to join Padres in June. That's the target. Oh, okay. So we, so I just, yeah. Okay. Brainwash them. Oh, yep. All good. Um, sorry, we're uh, NL teams uh, in the World Series or uh, teams in the World Series in general. Your World like Series Houston. teams I, and who wins? Yep. Yeah, I, I like Houston. I like San Diego uh, because I think with this roster, I think they're going to go all in, um, and I think they still have one or two pieces to sell if they want to. Um, and and I think if they get the depth or not the depth, but if they get the momentum that I think they're going to have. Uh, I think they'll go chase a, a starting pitcher. And and listen, like with that offense, they don't need to go get aces, right? They just don't. And and that's the one advantage that they have. So I, I like them to be in it. I, I'm going to bet on Houston. They've been there for three of the last four. Um, I'll continue to bet on on them until they, they prove me wrong. Yeah, that's why I wouldn't let them in my playoff pitcher. That way I don't have to deal with them. Uh, they're they're going to be a one and done this year. That's what Houston's doing because Milwaukee and Cleveland are going to be the World Series teams here, Ty. And that has a lot to do with the two managers that I gave of the year. It has to do with Josh Bell having a complete and full season. And it has to do with guys like Williams closing out games. But I do think Cleveland will take it. Congratulations, Guardians, in six. That is my World Series prediction. 
And oh my goodness, the extra money in Cleveland will make trading away players even more painful for Guardians fans in the years to come. (laughs) (laughs) Extra revenue from winning a World Series, and they just turn around, pocket the cash, and trade players in the offseason. They've waited so long for for a world championship, and then they're just gonna fire sale it. Oh yeah. man, that that pull them our I, I I I'd love to see it. Like I mean, my uh, my grandpa was a diehard diehard Guardians fan, and he passed away this year. So you know that would make sense that that they 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 do it while he's checking in on it. You know, Angels in the outfield style. Let's do it. Um, but you know, I, I like the Guardians. Uh, not enough to make the playoffs, but I like their momentum. So we'll see if they get there. But uh, it's a good spot to leave it, Robbie. If, you, if you've got different predictions, by all means, hit us up on the Twitter machine, at Dingers Pod. Let's hear it. Let's hear your bold takes. Uh, just don't tell me SP5s are in the top 40, um, and, and we'll be fine. <laughs> um, and until then, it's been Tyler and Rob here on Dingers. <laughs>